loves, welcome to Tea with Kings and Queens, the podcast where I chat to the most exciting he, she's and they's from the world of performance. Today's guest is the incredible Alabama Whirly, pole dancer, burlesque performer and producer of the Northwest's first plus-size cabaret show, Glorified. Well known for her horror and gore-themed routines, Alabama has also fast become a key voice for the plus-size performer community. And in our chat today, we talk about creating safe spaces and get very critical of the BBC. Enjoy. You do so much. You're known for like your pole and your burlesque. How would you describe your style of performance? So I learned pole. I think I started when I was 26, 25, 26. But I'd wanted to do pole since I was like 18, but I had always been like too fat. You've got to be a certain size. You've got to be, you know, certain level of skill already. Um, And then I got a friend to join with me and um, I learned from Misty, um, Tony Mansell, who has been a stripper for nearly 20 years. So my style is a lot of like OG stripper style. And then I moved into burlesque because I got booked for a pole gig and then got a message saying that the actual venue wasn't big enough for a pole. Can you do burlesque? And because <laughs> I'm so stubborn, I was like, of course I can do burlesque. Taught myself a burlesque routine in about two weeks with a lot of YouTube and a lot of um, Instagram stalking because I refused to turn down a gig. That's and funny. then I ended up, I think I prefer burlesque now to pole but at first I was like oh I haven't got this big metal stick to like rely on if I find my routine mm. so it kind of went from there and then obviously the horror horror elements came into it from working with Liverpool Horror Club and being their resident performer before I worked for them so obviously it was this is the theme this event can you make a routine to this theme and I was like yeah it's fine but I've always been into horror so it was easier and I've always been into like you know the weirder side of everything yeah so I was never going to just come out in like sparkly pink costumes and all the uh, bump and grind it was always going to be a bit weird and a bit out there what was your first performance like then if you put it together in two weeks what did you do it's really impressive it was for um they have an event in Liverpool called light night I don't Mm. know if they still do it it's part of the council yeah um and design for life tattoo shop were part of it and they had like an evening it was like after dark and there wasn't really any kind of like it needs to be this it can just be whatever you want so I was like you know what if I'm gonna do burlesque the first time I'll just pour a load of blood over myself it'll distract from anything else so um it was actually what it's one of my favorite routines I've done I think if I tried to redo it now I probably can't remember it at all and it was very like classic burlesque but with like a spookier side to it and you re- did you enjoy it at the time, apart from the nerves? Yeah, um, I loved it at the time. And I think not having to wear eight-inch heels kind of helped because there wasn't the thought of, oh, my God, I'm going to fall off these shoes on stage, <laughs> which no matter how many times I performed in eight-inch heels, I'm always like, I could fall off these and die on stage in front of a load of people. And they're not going to remember the performance. They're going to remember the fact that I died. <laughs> So I've seen plenty of makes... people fall over. They make it part of their routine. It's all right. Yeah. It's all right. And um, tell me about Liverpool Horror Club then, because they seem quite important to you in terms of your career. So I started going to their events um, for the film screenings and things. And I'd messaged Chris, who runs it, about performing. 
And then I saw him at one of the tattoo conventions where they had a store. And I was like, I'll just force my way into anything. And I'm like, hi, I've emailed you about performing. And he was like, oh, well, we're doing a charity gig. Do you want to get involved in that? And I was like, yeah, cool. So I performed for them for a few years. And during lockdown, I got a message and they were like, do you want to be a part of the team um, to help us with booking performers and backstage, kind of like the stage side of it? Because you've got experience in that. And I was like, uh, yeah. Like, it was like the best thing that's happened to me the whole of lockdown. And we've kind of like just evolved a lot since lockdown. So we went from having film screenings every month to Liverpool's lost a lot of its accessible venues now. So we've got a lot less of that. We used to do, well, we still kind of are going to carry on doing it eventually. Um, a horror festival in the summer. Um, we had cabaret events. We used to do a splatter cabaret that was a cabaret event but we used to use par street studios and we'd cover it in like plastic sheeting it looked like something out of dexter and it was you it was the only horror event you saw where people turned up in white because they knew they were going to come out covered in fake blood and gunge and it was so much fun but obviously not a lot of venues are very keen to have you throw blood and guts all over the venue anymore such a shame so we've we've got we do quite a lot like we do the horror christmas market that's coming up in about a week, a week after next, I think it is the eleventh, and it is a Christmas market, but with like horror and spooky kind of theme stuff. So it's like an alternative, and we have every year um a Santa's grotto, grotto that's it's more like Santa's grot hole. So we've had um we've had drunk Santa, we've had Krampus, we've had last year was a Cenobite drag queen Santa. Oh, wow! And then this year, I'm so excited for this year. I'm not allowed to say anything. I nearly oh, on Instagram. <laughs> all right so I'll, can i put, i'll put links to it on the episode yeah. so everyone knows like how to find it and where to go are you going to be performing at this event or no, are you organizing so this, is, this is me or this is me actually doing some work <laughs> oh. um it's it is just the christmas market um but some of the sellers i'm just it's the day after payday and i just know i'm gonna have no money left <laughs> that's that exciting i love how like liverpool horror club has like grown and also it's just so inclusive and yeah um, yeah it's just like a really nice sort of community and I think a lot of that's happened like post-covid to like fill those gaps yeah we kind of have a thing where we won't well we haven't got so much of a choice now but if we can help it we'll only book accessible venues um the market's in the shipping forecast so it's over Mm. three floors which there's no lift but there's also not a lot of other places we could do it but we've got like a virtual shopping assistant thing so someone can go up and like facetime you from the top floors and like basically you send them up and do your shopping like i feel like using it myself (laughs) (laughs) that sounds amazing so we try our best to like be as inclusive and like make sure that it's okay for everyone so when we do the bigger events we try and have like a quiet space for people to go if it gets a bit too much i think it's really refreshing because i've just been to comic con and that's so mainstream and it has been mainstream now for several years, but I do feel, I don't want to get sued, but I do feel like it's it's a money-making situation rather than they're there for you to have a good time. And it was so busy, like we all just had to leave by lunch. Um, so I think it, it's needed to have these new places to go and like to feel like you can be yourself because I think this has just become too big and unwieldy and like not a good experience. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people from this year. Mm. I normally go with my oldest um, and he's got additional needs. So I'm kind of glad we didn't go this year from some of the stuff I've heard from how busy it was. Yeah. But then 
he's also fine in some situations. So we're going to another one of their events in Manchester next week um, for the love of sci-fi. Um, but it's in the venue that they do for the love of horror, which I go to every year. So I think, because I know the venue and I know it's probably going to be a lot quieter a sci-fi event than just a general Comic-Con. Yeah. But we try to like have spaces for people that even if they just need, you know, a couple of minutes of quiet or to like just chill out for a little bit. But Liverpool's lost so many venues since COVID. Like we used to use Constellations and that's been flattened now. Oh, that was so great. It was such a yeah, nice place. Yeah. That's totally gone. And other venues have been taken over by other people and turned into new things. And I know that's like it happens in every city, but it seems like it's all the accessible venues are kind of slowly disappearing. Yeah. Despite the fact that accessibility should is getting more and more um of a priority for people which it always should have been but yeah it hasn't always been I think that's why but I've spoken to a lot of performers like during COVID it made drag burlesque all these things accessible to everybody because we we're all watching on screens you could film yourself at home so you could not only be an audience member but you could take part and now in a way it's a shame that that side of it's over um, yeah. because now performance is back into venues as you say and it's not accessible for everybody to participate um, which is such a shame yeah um, I'd love to have glorified um, live like, a streaming option for that but obviously with it being in a venue the technical side of it is just like I'm the only person that runs glorified like that is beyond my capability <laughs> like the fact I've got onto Zoom this morning is a miracle in itself <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it tell me about glorified so Glorified is an all fat and plus size cabaret show. It started in September this year. And I originally it was going to be like a plus size pole and burlesque competition. Um, and it kind of evolved into a show. And it was always at the back of my mind that I wanted to do it. But I was always like, oh, I'll do it eventually. Like it'll come around in a couple of years. And then one of my really good friends, Piggy Rocks, passed away this year. And she was always like a fat performer advocate and she would push you to do anything. And her passing away kind of gave me the push that was like, you know what? She will be absolutely livid if I don't do this show. Because she was it's so incredible. She, yeah, and she just would have been a part of it. And I felt like I kind of had to do it for her to like honour her memory um, at the same time. So... I got in touch with a venue in Birkenhead called Future Yards and mm. they seem very like they're up on like inclusivity and accessibility and they're really, really, really nice like people to work with. And I just went in and I was like, I want to run this plus size pole comp uh, plus size pole competition, plus size cabaret. Um and I'm looking for a venue. I've been here for like other events that you do, and I was just wondering if like we could talk. And they were on board straight away and they were like, absolutely yes, like we'd love to host it. So I thought when I started doing it, I was like, oh, well, um, I'll do the performance on like a ticket share basis because I just never couldn't tell how many people would want to come to something like this. And so I put um, a performer casting call out and was like, oh, I'll probably get a couple of my mates and that will apply, you know. And I think the first show we had about 30 applications for it was originally 10 performer spots and I ended up having to make it 12 wow. because I just couldn't like pick. And it was the hardest thing was trying to like choose. And it ended up selling out. And I was really shocked because I thought I'd sell 50 tickets at most. And the venue had said like, we can fit a hundred people in. And I was like, cool, we're not going to get to a hundred. Absolutely fine. My first target was 50 and then 70 max. 
and it ended up that I had to like beg the venue to let me put an extra 40 tickets out because I was getting <laughs> messages of like please please can I just like I'll help out I just really want to come and then um, it was just really surreal like that this idea that I'd had that I thought no one would be interested in because no one like they'll book one or two fat performers for their lineups and that's about it so I thought you know what there's no no one wants this but then the fact it sold out it just proved that it was needed and people yeah. wanted the representation of fat performers and like I had people messaging me and they were like I've never thought about doing burlesque or pole or dance or anything before I came to glorified and now can you recommend me anywhere I can go to learn um, I really want to get involved with things like this and it was just it was so strange like people coming and buying tickets and tipping the performers and just the whole atmosphere was so nice and that people were coming up to me and saying like they'd never been to an event where they felt so comfortable and like allowed to be themselves without adjusting their clothes or putting their arms across them when they sat down and things that you just do every day because you're just so used to not feeling comfortable in spaces where you should feel comfortable and it was just amazing and then the next one is the 18th of February um the venue were like do you want to do it again and I was like oh you want me back <laughs> and so I opened the casting calls for that and I'm just in the, like I think I've got two more performers to announce but this year there was like 80 performer applications wow and presumably so, from all over the country as well yeah um, yeah I had to go through all the videos so eventually I had to close the performer applications early because I was like it's just me I can't sit and watch 300 videos or however many it ends up so I capped it at 80 and then I had to go through and choose who I wanted and who I thought would fit with that show. And it was horrible because it's, you feel like you're telling a load of people like, no, but I was like, please apply next time. I'm so sorry. Well, this is it. Like clearly it needs to be a regular thing because like we were saying before, you've managed to like build a community for so many people that were looking for it, that didn't have it. And you've like created this amazing space. Are you going to continue with it? Cause it's been so popular. Yeah, I want to um, develop it eventually to be, I think by, ne well, not next year, 2024, I think I'm going to end up needing a bigger venue at this rate so yeah. it carries on. Because the tickets for February are selling so fast already that I'm like, oh my God, I've put like the max amount of tickets that I can actually fit in the venue already up. So there won't be any extra tickets getting announced. It's like, oh, jokes, here's some more. That's it, once they've <laughs> gone. But I want to develop it into more than just like the cabaret show. Like, mm. I don't know where, but, you know, kind of make it like maybe an all day thing, like a little mini like body, like acceptance, like celebration kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Because we've got market stalls this uh, next year for the February show. Um, that was one of the traders that's doing it was like, are you ever going to have market stalls? And I was like, let me ask the venue, I'll find out. And they were like, yeah, we've got enough space for four traders. So it's developing and it's growing every single time and I'm just adding to it constantly. Whereas I thought it was going to be one show and that's it. And should, it's not, it's taken over my life. <laughs> you should be really proud of it. Uh, did you perform at the first one as well? Or did yeah. you host? Um, oh, I don't host. I don't do public speaking. <laughs> I get on stage and take my clothes off. But if you give me a microphone on stage, I'll just cry. <laughs> so um, my friend Nadia Raven, she moans, hosted this year. But Donna the Dom was supposed to host. But she was really poorly on the way there. Um, so she's hosting the next one. So I performed and it was 
Lindsay, um, who's Nora Nosh, had told me like there's nothing like performing at your own show. Mm. Like it's just the best feeling. And I was like, oh, it'll just be like every other gig I've done. And it was just amazing because it was like all these people have come to something that you've produced and because they want to be there. And it was just such like I didn't sleep that night. Um, I was just sitting there like buzzing all night and could not sleep because I just kept thinking. I was like, oh, I remember when that happened, then that happened. And then there was just so much to like process. And like, I think I'm still processing it now. So you said it's cabaret. Um, so it's a really broad kind of type of performer that you have. Yeah, we've got burlesque, um, floor work, um, dancers, drag, comedians, um, singers, everything. Like, I'm just blown away by, like, all these people that apply and, like, how talented they are. Yeah. And it was really hard to not just put, like, a lineup of 25 people on. Because <laughs> I could have easily hired everyone. <laughs> When you've spoken to these performers before, have they had issues with trying to get on bills? Yeah, so I really struggle getting on bills um, for shows, despite the fact that I've been performing for six years now. And a lot of performers that I had last time were just like, thank you for like giving me a chance to perform, because some of them had only performed once or twice before, but they'd applied for dozens and dozens of lineups and just never heard anything back. And I think as a fat performer, you see these lineups come out that you've applied for and you just sit there and you go, I know why I haven't been, why I haven't been picked because I don't fit in with the aesthetic of that show, but not because of like my actual aesthetic. It's because of my body because it's not the stereotypical, like thick kind of body shape where it's like the little waist and big hips, big boobs and a jawline. And I think a lot of producers think that well, she's about a size 14, so that'll do. That's inclusive now. But they don't want the fat bodies that aren't, you know, the only way of putting it is like the acceptable kind of fat body that's not just toned like a boohoo plus size model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it is a lot of it is producers have kind of decided in their mind what their audience wants to see. And what is sexy to them and what they think their audience finds sexy is what they're going to book. I found that even though there were some really good discussions going on over lockdown about this kind of thing, there's still now a lot of tokenization in terms of inclusivity in lineups. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like, oh, we'll just take one from each box. That'll do. And then the yeah. rest is white, straight sized, able bodied yeah. performers that and I find a lot as well that when they have plus size performers it's the same plus size performers every time and I don't know if it's because they're friends or they really just really like their act which is not wrong with but I think a lot of it is laziness that they don't want to push themselves to find other plus size performers part of the reason of putting on glorified was in the hopes that straight size producers of these shows would come and go there's a whole load of plus size performers to choose from I always say on Instagram that if you need plus size performers, come to me. I know like the majority of my performer friends are plus size and fat or any other kind of marginalized body. Like I will give you lists. I'm not gatekeeping these people and being like, no, they're mine. I keep them for my show. And there is, they kind of need to come out of this circle of booking the same plus size performers again and again, which is amazing. I'm so happy for these performers to get these jobs. Like I'm never going to be like, oh, they do everything. So they need to give someone else a chance. 
it's not like that. It's not pie. There's not like there's one slice of plus plus size performers and that's it. That's all the people you can choose from. There are so many. And there's a lot of kind of like talk around, well, they've only ever done two shows. And it's like, yeah, but because no one's booking them to do more shows and they want show reels. But if you're not getting booked, how yeah. are you going to make a show reel without spending a ton of money to get a videographer? Before you put Glorified together, how did you deal with all of that? How did you do a showreel and did you manage to do it yourself? I mostly performed for Liverpool Horror Club and was Mm. really lucky to get in with them and have a lot of stuff from there. And then I used to have to use like competition routines from pole dancing. And to be honest, it got to the point where I stopped applying for people's shows because I was like, I am wasting my own time here. Like I am not. I'm applying with everything that I've got. They, you know, they've seen me perform at like other events and stuff. Like I'm wasting my time and the lineups had come out with full of straight sized people. And it's like, you kind of get to know people's lineups of what they're going to book without trying. And I had like showreels, I had videos, I had all kinds of things to send. But I just thought, you know what, I'm going to put my own show on because I can't be bothered dealing with it anymore. So whether you wanted to or not, you've become a spokesperson for the plus size community. How do you feel about it? Um, I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. I just talk <laughs> a lot. A lot of noise comes out. And if it makes sense, that's like a bonus. <laughs> but I've just, I went through like years and years of like hating myself and eating disorders from like Slimming World and Weight Watchers. And I real- came to a realisation like years and years ago that, I hate my body more when I'm trying to make it smaller and I felt less confident when I was trying to lose weight than I ever did when I was like I actually think I'm quite fit why am I trying to like change this and it's kind of bad because when I have to remind myself that not everyone's like at that stage where they're not comfortable with their body whereas I'm kind of like if someone shouts something at me or says something or makes a comment online I'm like what are they talking about like I look boss like I really like how I look but there's always the assumption that because you're fat that you must hate your body and there's no way you're comfortable with yourself if you know you're not a size like six eight ten whatever um but I don't mind like talking about being plus size and being fat like oh I understand that there are people that aren't comfortable with being called fat and using that word there are people that are fine with it and I can't speak on behalf of everyone but you know another fat voice like out in the world is always a good thing it's never a bad thing mm. you've been so open on instagram about like just some of the abuse you get i don't know going to the shops or something oh yeah it's always it's been like that since i was a kid like i remember being like nine or ten and getting stuff shouted at me from cars i've always been you know the chubby kid or the fat kid and i think that's just how my body's built now like even when i'd lost a load of weight i was still never slim or skinny but i've just always had comments about my weight and things shouted at me and I'm 32 in a couple of weeks couple of months god you remember <laughs> and it never finishes like a few months ago um or last month I was waiting for my friend to pick me up and there was loads of crowds outside our house because there was a football match going on at the end of the road and my husband had said like oh why don't you just walk around to the other road to wait for it? it'll be easier and I was like because all these men are going to this football match I'm dressed up to go out I guarantee I'll be called a fat by at least one of them Mm. and in the end I went and stood on our doorstep to wait for her because she was like I'm at the top of your road I'll be outside in a minute 
And there's a fella and he's going, I love, I yeah, I yeah. And I didn't even know he was talking to me, to be honest. I was on my phone looking where this car was. And uh, he went, oh, you fuck off. As he walked off and I was like, you were trying to get me attention three seconds ago. Yeah, so what's changed yeah. in them three seconds? But it kind of doesn't affect me anymore because I just, as much as I shouldn't, I expect it. Mm. And I kind of reason with it that it's their problem, not mine. Like if they're so bitter and unhappy that they feel like they're going to get validation by abusing someone for their size then that's a lot of issues that they've got to work through not me as I've got older I've got a lot more aggressive towards those (laughs) men I've got to say which is a confidence thing I think it's positive but um you've written a brilliant article in polyester zine um which I'd recommend anyone to go and read I'm gonna I'll link to that in the bottom of the episode and then we were talking before I started recording actually about some years ago you did something for the BBC it was like a short what was the title of it? Fat, Glam and Don't Give a Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I wondered if we could just talk about that a little bit. How did yeah. it come about and what was the experience like? Because it was about you just talking about your experiences being do, doing pole and being a plus size performer. Yeah, uh, they messaged me on Instagram, the production company originally. And I, I'd been doing a few articles, um, like online newspaper articles and things. And they messaged me on Instagram and I was kind of like, this is a wind up like it was very early on and like using Instagram and building a following say a following like I've got thousands 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 I haven't um and I was like the way they kind of sold it to me I was like yeah that sounds good like I know it's going to come there's going to be a little bit of comeback in like YouTube comments and things like that but I'm not really bothered like it's never bothered me as um someone who grew up in like Tumblr and Greatest Journal era (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm I'm all right with um trolls. I've kind of grown used to them over the years. So I um did it, um, and it was kind of like they'd already decided in their head what the narrative was for it, and I kind of was like, well, I'm getting that paycheck at the end of it, so do what you want. But it was very staged, and I would advise anyone who watches it not to take it very seriously. Um, there was a lot more going on than. Well, no, there wasn't that there was a lot more going on. I think they wanted a lot more to go on than actually happened, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so there's a scene where you're saying a woman's staring at you on the train, but you said actually that wasn't the case. Yeah, there was... Um, a, it was totally a, fine. <laughs> there was an old woman sat on the train and they'd had me walk up and down this train. It was a very quiet train in the middle of the afternoon on like a Friday afternoon, one o'clock. And they'd had me walk up and down this train about eight times with like a secret camera um, to see what looks or comments I got off people. And like, bear in mind, at the time, I was probably a size 16 to 18. So I was a very small fat. I wasn't like, I was a lot smaller than I am now. And they had me walk up and down this train. And then the next day or two days later, I had to watch all the footage back and like kind of commentate on it. And they were like, oh, can you make a comment about that woman looking at you? And I was like, she wasn't. She was looking at me. She made me walk up and down the train eight times, like an absolute weirdo. And she's probably thinking, what is she doing? Is she okay? And, um, and they were like, yeah, but we need more. And I was like, so because I haven't faced enough abuse on camera, like, it was very, like, the questions were very directed to what they wanted me to answer. And I think on the video at one point where I've got, I'm sat in the hotel. You can tell how annoyed I'm getting with them. <laughs> but I'm trying to smile through it. And it was, um, there was a part in it where I was performing at Filthy Friday and the bodysuit I had on open, like popped open. Like I had underwear underneath and everything. 
And I found it really strange that that was the part they kept in. But then when I read the YouTube comments, I was like, oh, that's why they've left it in because it's generated a lot of like um, traffic on their comment section. <laughs> it was such a shame. I thought it was like a real opportunity for them to do something positive. It's very short. It's only about 10 minutes, isn't it? And yeah. there wasn't much showing your performance, which is a shame. I think it could have gone much more into that side of things, really. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of interviews with people that weren't included as well, like, the fact that um, Beanie the Jetty runs Filthy Fridays, like my best friend, and it was the first time we'd actually met in person as well, and we did an interview together, and it was like they kind of weren't interested in the community side of it, mm. and it was, they knew what they wanted out of it, like the way it was edited, they knew exactly what they wanted. They were trying to give me um catchphrases to say, and I was just like, no. <laughs> they wanted me to get ready and be like, it's Alabama time, as I walked out, and I was like, uh. no, I would rather give you all your money back even <laughs> say that I was just like no no they've done the same kinds of one with Scotty as fat on Instagram but he actually got a load of abuse that was caught on camera um so I think they were a lot more impressed with his than mine <laughs> let's draw a line under the BBC for now shall we yeah <laughs> tell me about Alabama Whirly where did the name come from and where did the character come from so it was um, originally my username on Tumblr. Nice. And it's from a film called True Romance. Mm. But I'd already spelt it the way I spell it before realising years later I'd spelt the surname wrong because it's actually Worley. And I was like, oh, well, too late. And I only picked it for performing because I never thought I'd ever do much performing other than like a couple of pole competitions because I was always like, I wasn't shy, but the idea of being on stage, I was like, oh, no that's not me um and I kind of like didn't want my normal name uh, my birth name for like pole competitions and things like that just for like you know in the future mm. so I was like I would just use my Tumblr username <laughs> we'll go with that and now it's been too long I can't change it I'm stuck I think it. it's great I think it's fantastic <laughs> I mean um, it could have been a better state that it was used for but <laughs> well... and it means a lot of people assume I'm in America so they kind of like I never thought of that. Try and find out where I live. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> where in Alabama are you from? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were doing starting your poll and looking at burlesque and stuff, who do you look to as influences or do you take your influences from elsewhere? So if I'm putting an act together, um, it tends to come from like certain kinds of music and like, so I really like like Twin Temple that are like satanic <sighs> doo wop. <laughs> Which sounds really strange, but they're amazing. Oh, that and I've got a tattoo of them and everything. I love them. Um, and that kind of like, like really glamorous, but like really kind of like horror satanic kind of imagery. But then with performers, like I love being in the chat. Um, when I went to see Dita Von Teese in London a few years ago, Dirty Martini was yes. one of the support acts, and I thought she was better than Dita Von Teese. I was yeah. just like, oh my god, like Dita was amazing, obviously, but like. Dirty Martini was just there was so much personality and it was hair it wasn't just another fat performer like people like to you know assume she had like there was so much about her that I was like I want to be her when I grow up <laughs> and there's so many like fat pole dancers like um one of my other friends Donna the Dom is a drag queen and she's unreal like she's just everything she does has got a message through it 
whereas I haven't got the brain power to have like you know a really obvious message and like kind of like political statement come through I'm like I just want to look really cute and take my clothes off on stage and pour some blood on myself but I just love people that can kind of like put a message across in their act as well I spend most of it just trying to remember my choreography when anyone gets any blood out I'm always really excited (laughs) anything that's gonna get chucked on the audience it's always a massive bonus that you can go home covered in something, even if it's glitter, whatever. You yeah, know, it's fine. I love it. <laughs> um, where are you aiming to go next with your performing? If you got obviously you've got big plans for glorified and to kind of like expand that community and do more there. Yeah, I want um glorified to just obviously like it's like my baby now, it's like my third child. I want it to just grow and grow and just become bigger. Um, I've had a few people have messaged like, oh, would you ever take it on tour? And I was like, why do people want me to take this on tour? This is so strange. It's just a little show in Birkenhead. And I've kind of like hopefully eventually want to kind of like put it on in different places because I know Filthy Friday do London and Manchester and Beanie who runs it is from Manchester. So it's doable. I've got a lot of people that have done this kind of thing and that I can fall back and be like, help, what am I doing? I don't know how this works. And I want it to move on. But I'd also like, for myself perform in other spaces and get booked to perform at other spaces but I've kind of got to work through the whole like kind of like well I'm not applying because you're not going to hire me anyway which is something that's my issue that I've got to work through but I think that comes from years and years of not being booked by people Mm. but also kind of like I do apply for stuff I'm not just sitting here like hire me but I'm going to do no work to get it (laughs) Um, I want to come into other people's spaces and perform but I also only want to perform in inclusive spaces that aren't booking me as the fat token performer yeah, yeah. what advice would you give to someone who's starting out as a performer who's, who's at that point who's trying to get booked but they're just not getting on the bill do, do you know what my it's, it's not the best advice because I know not everyone can do it but put on your own show. Just yeah. make the space for yourself. That's yeah. what I did with Glorified. I made my own space. And even if it's only like a showcase at like the studio or, you know, few people that you know, like a really small one in a function room of a social club, just putting on a show, like a smaller one. It's obviously it's not easy and not everyone's got the financial like um kind of backing to do that kind of thing. But even entering competitions, it's videos of the routine it doesn't matter that it's a competitive environment it's still you're on stage and you're performing and you've just kind of got to find these spaces and I hate to I don't like telling people to work for free but look out for charity shows where you don't get as many of the bigger names and more popular people because they won't do it for nothing but they're more open to you know giving people like a you know a chance because they're not risking their money which I'm, it sounds awful. Like I've hired people for Glorified that have never performed before because mm. I just know how shit it can be to try and get on when they're like, where's your professional show reel? And you're like, I don't have one of them. Yeah. Well, where can everyone find you? Um, Instagram is um, Alabama Whirly and then an underscore because someone stole my username. <laughs> um, I had it and then it kept logging me out the account and then the only way to fix it was to change the username and then someone else has got it now. <laughs> Um, there's glorified cabaret on Instagram. Um, the tickets are in the bio for the next show, and it's selling out really, really quick. So, 
people think I'm like fronting them when I'm like it's selling out fast <laughs> and I'm like no it actually is like I've got ADHD I've got no like I can't lie to save my life I can't <laughs> sit and tell people like oh yeah it's selling out fast when I've sold three tickets in three months it genuinely it's selling fast and that is most of the places um Liverpool Horror Club is just Liverpool underscore horror underscore club on Instagram as well um and a thing called all the social media links are kind of like linked on those Instagram profiles. Brilliant. I'll put the links to everything um, on the episode details. It's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to come to Glorified in February. Oh, um, <laughs> I've snaffled a few of those precious tickets. So um, it'll be great to see you in person. My emails pop up every time one sells. So I have to like, turn it off now because it's constantly going. And I'm like, <laughs> four o'clock in the morning. Why am I checking tickets? That's awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Hi again, it's Carly. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to find out more or get in touch, head over to teawithkingsandqueens.com.